It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Speedway Show. Today is kind of a fun topic, and it is entitled, Live Your Batna Now. If you could have the career of your dreams, as opposed to the crummy job you have now, what would it be? If you could have the house of your the car you really want, the love of your dreams, what would that look like? And is it different from your reality today? If your answer to any of those things is yes, this show is for you. I'm going to dedicate this show to my very good friend, Sonia Harris. I hope that every one of you listening to this show has a friend like Sonia, someone you feel in your soul you were intended to meet because you are so spiritually connected. I dedicate this show to my best friend, to my very good friend. I dedicate this show to one of my very close friends, Sonia Harris. I hope that every one of you listening to this show has a friend like Sonia, someone you feel in your soul you were intended to meet because you are so spiritually connected to one another. That is my hope for you. And Sonia and I were having a conversation one day And we got into this discussion when the inspiration struck. And I started, I can't remember what it was we were talking about that that got us on this topic, but the more I explained it to Sonia, the more I thought, you know, I really ought to have a conversation about this uh, topic, right? And um, it is my personal belief that uh, Sonia and I were just designated by God that we should meet. And uh, I call God Papa. That's my pet name for him. And I truly believe it was in Papa's grand design that Sonia and I would cross paths and become friends because we are so often exactly at the same points of our life's journey together. We might go a long time without having a conversation, but when we do, we just pick up exactly where we left off and love just flows. So the other day, Sonia and I are having a conversation. I'm telling her about this idea for the show. The more I explain it to her, the more it crystallized, and I ran home and taped the show for you guys. So most of what I'm going to tell you actually came out of the conversation that I had with my girl, Sonia. So this one's for you, girlfriend. If you have ever worked in a corporation that you know had a lot of, um, you know, a lot of times corporations, large corporations with a lot of employees have sometimes, you know, books that they recommend you read, right? And, you know, all of us tend to be like sheep. We're like, okay, you know, I'm supposed to read this book. I've got to read this book. Sometimes they tell you to read the book because you're going to have a discussion at your next team meeting about this book, so then you really have to read it, right? 
um, some bigwig declares, this is the book to read. And uh, sometimes, you know, those of us who are ambitious, we, we, we run off and we read stuff because we want to do better. We want to know everything there is to know about our business and the business environment. So off we go. We read all these business books. Some guru or motivational speaker comes out and says, aha, you know, here's the book. And uh, off we go. And to the point where I don't know if it's still true, but there was a time where Amazon.com would actually list a, you know, the most commonly read books by, by corporations. So it might be like the 10 largest corporations today, right now, are reading these 10 books or whatever it was. And um, it just kind of shows you the power and the sway that large organizations have over their, the reading habits of their employees. But, um, you know, this is where, and, and part of it was kind of interesting because if you walked into another, you know, Fortune 500 company or maybe in London it's a FTSE 100 company and you start talking to the employees, at a certain level, uh, most people will have either read or heard of certain books. So if I say good to great, if I say who moved my cheese, or The Innovator's Dilemma, or The Clue Train Manifesto. Those books, you know, in a, in a room of corporate types, somebody will nod their head and go, oh, yes, yes, I read that, or oh, yes, yes, remember when that one, one fellow said blah, blah, blah. You know, so it is useful and it's great because some of these books are absolutely phenomenal. And one of those books I'm actually going to talk about today. This book is called Getting to Yes, Negotiating Agreement Without Giving In. And it was written by Roger Fisher and William Uru and Bruce Patton. Now, before you dismiss this as just another you know, business book of sheep went and read that probably isn't that useful, I'm going to suggest to you that actually whether you work inside or outside the home or both, this book is applicable to your everyday life. And this might not have been the intended purpose because it was written actually as a business book about negotiating deals. But I would submit to you that all of us are in the business of negotiating no matter what we do and no matter where in life we are in our adult walk. When you come home, you may have to negotiate with your spouse for that card that you want, or the new guitar, or the motorcycle, or the man cave, or the television. Some people even negotiate with their children, depending on the age. You may be negotiating with your kids over workloads, who's going to, uh, who's going to go away to school, whether or not they're going to eat something green for their next meal, um, you know, those of you who have toddlers know exactly how that, that negotiation goes. Uh, who's going to do which chores in the house? Um, and, and, and part of the challenge is how am I going to get my kids to do what I want without me having to threaten, punish, beat them, and do all sorts of other crazy things, right? If you are working outside of the home, you negotiate for all kinds of things. You may negotiate with your boss for a raise for that office space that you really want. Your, you know, one of the employees might have left and maybe they had an iPhone and everybody else has a Blackberry and you'd really like that iPhone. 
um, <laughs> you might negotiate with your coworkers over business projects. Who's going to do what? How are you going to get it done? Everybody's busy. How are you going to negotiate with all these people and the other business units? Because, by the way, you have to get this done, but you have no control and no direct authority over these people. A lot of you who work in corporate America, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I have all the responsibility to get this project done and none of the authority to actually do it and get people that I need to help me to do it, right? So we negotiate. In short, everybody negotiates sometimes every single day, and we don't even think about it. That being said, it stands to reason that any assistance you can get in negotiating a deal that you want without giving in is a useful thing to have. I highly recommend, therefore, that you get yourself a copy of this book, Getting to Yes, because what it really stands for is how do you get people to the point of saying yes to what you want without giving away the farm. Okay, how do you get your husband to agree that you need a new car when uh, he will barely give you $10 every week for your allowance because he's the one who's working outside of the home and he controls all the money? Getting to Yes is going to be a helpful book. I suggest that you visit Speedway.com because on that site I have a link to this book, and you can get yourself a copy. I have not been paid to promote this book. I have not spoken to the authors. I just think it's a really good book. And uh, I like to talk about things that I find helpful, because remember, the Speedway Show is an idea exchange. This is one idea that I want to exchange with you, and hopefully it makes your life in some respect a little bit easier. So as I said, uh, I, I recommend you get this book. And remember, every time you negotiate, that actually that is an opportunity to get to yes. There are many, many tips that are given in the book. But the one I wanted to focus on today is the concept of having a BATNA. BATNA, B-A-T-N-A, is actually an acronym, and it stands for Best Alternative to a Negotiated Agreement. BATNA stands for Best Alternative to a Negotiated Agreement. I recommend. Now, this is where I diverge a little bit. Because, you know, as I said, this is a business book, but actually I think this concept is so useful that you can use it for all sorts of things outside of the business context. In fact, you can use it, I would say, in your personal life as well. Best, now, in the business context, the best alternative to a negotiated agreement basically is the idea that before you go and negotiate a deal with someone, have a plan B, what are you going to do if you can't get an agreement in this particular situation? Let us suppose that we are putting together a plan for an acquisition. Let's suppose that my company wants to buy company X, right? 
And there is a certain price that I think company X is worth. There are certain other terms and conditions that have to come together in order for the sale to make sense to my organization, right? Having a BATNA basically means rather than going in and praying and hoping against all hope that I can get the things that I have to have for this deal to work, having a BATNA means having a plan B that says, if I cannot get the terms that I need for company X to make sense, here is my next best deal. My next best deal might be company Y. It might be company Z. It might be a completely different direction. Um, I'll give you a recent BATNA that is completely, that, that doesn't even follow one or the other. I recently got a job and I was actually invited. I wasn't looking for a job. I was invited to explore the job that I have now, which is uh, for those of you who listened to uh, some of the recent shows, which is the reason I actually ended up moving from Minneapolis to Chicago. But my boss had a bat enough for what was going to happen if I turned down this job. So plan A was I'm going to offer this position to Speedway. If she takes the position, she's going to have five direct reports, five people reporting to her, and these are people who will no longer report to me. His BATNA, plan B was, if Spiwa turns the job down, I'm going to still have these five people reporting to me, I'm going to downgrade the position, and I'm going to hire from outside the company. That was his BATNA. So he didn't have to hope and pray I took the job because he already had a plan for what was going to happen if I did not. That is what having a BATNA looks like. So that is the concept that I want you to start with today. Having a BATNA prevents you from giving away the farm. Don't get desperate. Having a BATNA stops you from being desperate because you have no alternative except to reach agreement in this particular situation. Now, I don't know if my boss read this book or not, but he certainly behaved in a manner that is consistent with excellent negotiating tactics, excellent negotiating approaches. And I, 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 you know, I hesitate when I say the word tactics because tactic kind of sounds like it's um, underhanded or it's, you know, less than honest. And that is not the way I mean it at all. I think it is just simple prudence to always have a bat now. Now, my suggestion, and I'm going to apply this concept of the BATNA to relationships, because I think you, you see what it looks like in the work environment. And by the way, if you are in any way engaged in negotiating, always have a BATNA. And it doesn't matter what you're dealing with. If I tell my two-year-old that we are now leaving the play date and he doesn't want to go, What's my BATNA? What is my best alternative to this kid jumping up and obediently leaping into the car so that we can leave? You've got to have a BATNA, especially if you've got kids. You always have to have a BATNA because they will 
on most occasions disobey you at least the first time. So you've got to have a baton, and it's got to be good enough that you can carry it through until you can get that obedience with just a look. And in case you're sitting there with a two-year-old thinking, what am I going to do if my kid refuses to go? Uh, I, I used actually two tactics that worked very well. The first one was when that kid was young enough that I could just pick him up and carry him, I just picked him up and I carried my babies. Time to go. No! Uh, I do not negotiate with toddlers. I would pick up my little girl and I would carry her to the car. And she could scream and complain all she liked, but I was putting her in the car. I wasn't negotiating. I wasn't begging. I wasn't pleading. We were just getting into the car. She was getting strapped in, and I was going to go on my way and just completely ignore the complaining as if she said nothing at all. And guess what happened after a while? When I picked her up, she wouldn't even complain because she knew it wasn't going to make a difference. She wasn't going to be rewarded, and I wasn't going to plead with her much to the amazement of other adults who are like, wow, you just picked her up and she didn't say a word. And I'm like, yeah, because she knows. (laughs) She knows it's not going to do any good. She knows it's time to go. It's time to go. And when my kids got older, I would make a declaration and I would say, hey, we're leaving. And I would turn, I wouldn't wait for them. I would just turn around, pick up my stuff, and I would go. And once they figured out that mom didn't look like she was turning around, they didn't want to get left behind because I had the car keys. So they would jump up and they'd run after me. And this worked really well at the playground. Even now, when my kids are 8 and 11, if we go to the playground and it's time to go, I jump up and I leave and they turn around and they follow because they know mom's going to get in the car and mom's going. (laughs) So that is your bat now. Now, how does this apply to your daily life? Here's what I would suggest. Do not spend your life waiting to be happy. Be happy now in your current circumstance, where you are today. Let, if, if, the, if the one thing that you want is not happening or hasn't happened yet, then let this be your best alternative to a negotiated agreement and do something else. Live your BATNA now. If you embrace that you can make your best alternative happen, then you're not going to fall prey to desperate decisions made out of a desire to either escape your current circumstance or force what you want to happen. Think about big areas of your life that you might not be happy with, and I'm going to give you some examples. Let's suppose you are waiting to hear about a job. I recently had a job change, so job changes are, you know, high on my mind right now. You're waiting to hear about a job. You're biting your nails. You hate your current job, and uh, you just can't wait to get out of it. You are desperate, in fact, to find uh, a new transition and a way out of your current job. And what do you do as a BATNA in the meantime? Here's what you can do. You can make up your mind to do this job in the best way possible, especially if you hate it. Become really, really good at it. First of all, that's going to take your mind off of the other job you're hoping for. Secondly, it's going to give you something constructive to do. But the reason you become really, really good at the job that you hate is because if that other job you're hoping for doesn't pan out, 
somebody else is going to promote you based on the performance that they can see in your current job. The fastest way to get out of a job you hate is to do it so well that you get better and good enough to do the next job. If your current employer doesn't promote you, somebody else external will. That's an example of a BATNA you can employ right now. Let's suppose you're looking for a job, right? And you have applied and it's just not working out. Your BATNA then is change your tactics. Go and find, I would actually recommend this book. I tell everybody who's hunting for a job, go get a book called What Color Is Your Parachute? And it plays off the idea of golden parachutes. And What Color Is Your Parachute is, in my opinion, the best job hunting book ever written because it will give you some very practical things to do. One of the things that it says is, if you are unemployed, you should be spending eight hours a day looking for a job. And at least half that time, or at least this is the addition that I had at the time, at least half that time should be spent networking because most jobs are not posted. They're not posted publicly. They're not on the Internet. And the person who gets the job usually gets the job based on the relationship they have with somebody else, not because they submitted an application on the Internet. You can use the Internet to look for jobs. But what you could do is go develop relationships with some recruiters. So now it's not just you looking, it's lots of people looking. And those recruiters will be able to say, I have seen this person, I know they're phenomenal, they had this last job, sounds like a boring job, but they did a phenomenal job of it, you should talk to them. And that's how you get the interview, that's how you get the next job. Let's suppose you're waiting for Mr. or Ms. Wright. I have a lot of friends who are waiting for Mr. or Ms. Wright. Some of them are single. Some of them are waiting for their spouse to turn into Mr. or Ms. Wright. If this is you, then you might be feeling really frustrated because it just hasn't happened yet. That no good lazy lout of a spouse is still just as lazy as they were 15 years ago and they're not helping you around the house and they still suck. (laughs) Or maybe you have gone through man after man after man and you still can't find one who will stick around or one who is even close to what you're looking for, right? What is your bat now? Well, if you are married, your BATNA might be, I'm going to be the kindest, gentlest, most loving spouse I can be. And I'm not going to give you too much advice on this because that was not my BATNA when I was married. (laughs) I'm no longer married. (laughs) Maybe if I tried that, it might have worked. And so if you are single, however, and I'm single, so I can give you some advice about that, um, fill your life with the things you love. Because actually the truth is nobody wants a desperate man or a desperate woman and you can smell them. I can smell desperate men when I meet them. They've got please love me written all over them and they are clingy and they are just, they just kind of stick to you and all you want to do is run. And I have heard from guys that it's no different with women. They can smell desperate women a mile away. They can smell women who are willing to give them everything, including their bodies, within a very short period of time. 
just to be loved. And, you know, men somehow don't seem to stick around for that. So if you're waiting for your Mr. or Ms. Wright, fill your time with things that give you joy. Because here's the reality. If you're single and you find that Mr. or Ms. Wright, you're going to find that they actually don't make you happy. You've got to be happy by yourself first. Then you will attract the kind of person who's going to be wholesome like you. And by that time, if you do the stuff that you really love, maybe that's where you're going to meet your Mr. or Ms. Wright. If you are looking for a godly man who loves, who has a heart for the church and who's going to volunteer, well, go volunteer. You're most likely to meet that kind of guy at church or volunteering. That's what you do as your batna. And you love the life that you live and you find hobbies and you get out with your friends and you do things that you really enjoy. I have single friends who volunteer their time for causes that they really believe in. I have friends who blog. I blog. Um, I have, well, right now I've got kind of two lives, right? I've got a life in Minnesota. I've got a life in Chicago. I'm trucking back and forth from time to time up and down the airways. I've got a blog. I have a book that someday I'd love to write that I haven't had time to get to. I am busy. And so I am not sitting around thinking, and I love to go to the gym. I like to work out. And I love to spend time with my kids. So I'm not sitting around thinking, oh, if only I had a man, then my life would start. Oh, no. I'm thinking, if a man someday shows up, I sure hope he doesn't stop me from living. <laughs> And if he does, then maybe he's not Mr. Right for me. So you have to find your bet now by yourself where you are today. Let's suppose that what you're waiting for is a diagnosis for a medical condition that's causing you worry. And I have friends who are battling in situations where they have received that diagnosis. The thing about worry is it's not going to change a thing. It's not going to change your life. It's not going to change what's going to happen. It's not going to change whatever it is that's coming that you're going to have to go through. And, uh, in fact, I, I like to read my Bible, which I call my life manual, because it is a manual for how to live. And uh, I do believe there is somewhere in there where it basically says, you know, worrying can do nothing. It doesn't add any time to your days. It doesn't change anything. And so why do you worry? And besides, um, if you have faith, know that God, whose eye is on the sparrow and who will take care of the grass, the very grass that's here tomorrow, here today, gone tomorrow, how much more is he going to take care of you? So don't worry. So if you are waiting, you're sitting feeling like you're in the waiting room waiting for news, waiting to find out if your child is going to make it through the neonatal intensive care unit. You're waiting to find out if you're really sick or not. You're waiting to find out if that woman who said she's going to think about it is actually going to say, yes, she'll marry you or not. If you are in the waiting room, find things to keep you occupied and excited about life until that thing ultimately comes to pass such that you have some answers. Find a BATNA that's within your control and that you can implement immediately. Find alternatives. If this doesn't happen, then what am I going to do? If I am worried about the performance that I have to give, the speech that I have to give, what is part of your BATNA maybe, um, 
if I'm unable to persuade the people that I need to persuade to give me this job, what am I going to do next? I'm going to look. I'm going to take step two, step three, step four. If you don't find Mr. Right in the next six months, what's your life going to look like instead? If that job doesn't pan out, what are you going to do? Keep going. So now, what is it that you're going to do instead? My suggestion is think about five things. Don't wait, number one. Number two, embrace it. Embrace the BATNA. There is always a BATNA. There's always a best alternative to a negotiated agreement. Pay no attention to people who said, I have no choice. There's always a choice of two things. When people say, I have no choice, it doesn't literally mean they have no choice. What it means is that they dislike the other choice so much that they're not willing to contemplate it. So find the choice that you can embrace. Find the BATNA that you can be excited about. Number three, love it. Love the BATNA. If you don't love the BATNA, then find another one that you love. Okay? If I never get married again, what's my BATNA? Well, I'm going to spend my life doing the things that I love. I'm always going to make sure that I'm in a job that I absolutely love, and if I don't love it, I'm going to go find a new one that I can love and be excited about every morning. I'm going to do the best job I can of raising my kids so they can get out to the world and be positive contributors, and that will be my legacy. I am going to love the fact that I get to do this blog, and as challenging as it may be, through the times when I have moved, I lived in London for two months, Earlier on this year, I moved from Minneapolis to Chicago. I thought I was going to sell my house in Minneapolis and then figured out I wasn't going to sell my house in Minneapolis. So back and forth I go from time to time, and I love it. I love being able to come home to Minneapolis. I love being able to go home to my apartment in Chicago. I love the life that I have. That's my bad now. And if, if, if I never get married, I'm always going to be fulfilled because I have my relationship with my Heavenly Father, and guess what? He's the best spouse ever. Fourth thing I would recommend, live it. Think about your bad now. Live it. Go live the dream. Don't wait until retirement to get the job of your dreams. Go get it now. If you have to downsize and simplify your life so you can make that work, Go live your BATNA right now. Don't waste another day because tomorrow is not promised. You might get three days into your BATNA and it's over for you. And you don't want to sit there thinking, oh, well, if I had known, I would have. And the fifth thing, and um, this might be um, really obvious by now, is enjoy it. Enjoy your best alternative to a negotiated agreement because what that means is if the thing that you've been waiting for actually pans out, it's just going to add to your excitement and joy and love for living. If that thing happens, it'll be even more exciting and better than your BATNA because your BATNA is your best alternative, but it's also your best. So make sure that it's your best, not your mediocre, not your so-so, but your best alternative to a negotiated agreement. And the other thing, by the way, is that interestingly enough, when you live your life now, 
as if you are living your bat now, your best alternative to a negotiated agreement, the thing that you want is much more likely to happen. You are more likely to find the man of your dreams when he can see that you are happy doing what you're doing and you aren't just sitting by the side of the road waiting for him so that you could put all the pressure on him to create the happiness that you haven't found within yourself. So all that to say, there are ways that you can find to live your best alternative to a negotiated agreement in every aspect of your life every day. Thank you for joining me on the Speedway Show today. And until next week, live and embrace your BATNA now. Thank you for joining us on the Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle thespeedwayshow. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply.